0: The Pre Med Years, session number 181. Hello, and welcome to the Pre Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. This week I'm joined by my lovely co-host one more time. Welcome back, Allison Gray.
1: Hi, everybody. I hope you don't mean one more time ever. That sounded really sad.
0: It depends on how you do today.
1: <laughs> Isn't that so typical, Ryan? Don't you just love that?
0: It's conditional. <laughs> right? It's just like any performance. Well, I'm
1: batting like 40 for 40 so far, so I'm not too worried. You... And I also live here, and I know where you live.
0: <laughs> you think you've been on 40 podcast episodes I, know, I so just kind of made that up. Okay, that's good. Anyway... It's good to have you back. How have you been?
1: I've been good. How have you been?
0: I've been very well. Thank you. This is a little bit different. As we're recording this, we're also on Facebook Live.
1: Yeah, you told me about that part about two minutes before we started.
0: That works. <laughs> it's fun, right?
1: <laughs> Live.
0: So if if you're listening to this and you're not part of the Facebook Hangout, you can go to medicalschoolhq.net slash group. Join our hangout, and when we go live for future recordings, maybe depending on how oh, today goes, wow. then you can watch those live as well. Pressure's on. Yeah, we're a little bit later tonight. It's we're recording this at nine twenty-two Mountain Pas- Time. So oh, I almost said Pacific. We're Time. not in Pacific. They don't know where Time. I live. This is Mountain <laughs> Time. So awesome. So th- this is fun too because if you're watching this, you can ask some questions uh, of us live, and maybe we'll answer them. We're going to answer some questions that we're posted last week when we put out that we were going to record an episode and what people wanted to hear from us. So if you're watching and you have something new that you want to hear from us, go ahead and post. We'll be watching our comments. But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what people wanted to hear. And I think one of the first things that popped up was that somebody wanted to hear about gap years, and that was Emily McDowell. And you took a gap year on purpose. Mm -hmm. And I took a gap year because I didn't get into medical school the first time I applied. I actually took three years off. So let's go ahead and talk about gap years. What, What was the reasoning behind why you took a gap year?
1: I was really burned out in school. That was one of the reasons, to be perfectly honest. I was exhausted and I had a really rigorous undergrad program. Uh, at McGill and it was just science, science, science all the time. And I was exhausted and I didn't think I could devote the time I needed to my application while also doing my senior year classes at school. And so that was one of the reasons. And I was watching my friend, one of my best friends in college apply while we were in class and it was so stressful for her. And what else? Well, uh, I knew that I needed more clinical experience. That was part of it, too. And I wanted to do, I wanted to try a couple new things before. Oh, now I can see myself on two screens. Um, I wanted to try uh, doing a couple of different things that I, I didn't think I was going to get a chance to do once I entered medicine, once I became a medical student and, and went forward. And so I figured, well, this is a great opportunity. It'll give me, it'll sort of, uh, what's that word? Um, and I thought it would just sort of make my application more appealing. It would add, and bulk is totally the wrong word because you don't want to add bulk to yourself. <laughs> add substance maybe to yourself. To your application? Yeah, and okay. just to, to what you've done. Um, so I think for several reasons. And it was a really good choice for me.
0: As you were going through that thought process, how did you figure out that it was something you could do that it wasn't looked upon negatively, and again, how did you how did you figure out what to do?
1: Well, I remembered being in anatomy because we actually took anatomy in undergrad, and I remember there being a TA, um, a teacher's aide, um, and she had applied, I think, twice already, and she was going to apply a third time to medical school. And the irony was, she was teaching the medical students anatomy at that point. Uh, but this and was Canada. This is.
0: Well, yeah, oh, okay. It's It's harder in Canada. It's very hard. Yeah, so
1: she was brilliant, and this was her second time. She was going to apply a third time. Anyway, I recognized that, okay, people could do things and not go immediately into medical school from undergrad. And uh, I guess I picked up on that at some point and started realizing, okay, well, lots of people in medical school aren't necessarily 22 they're maybe they're uh 24 26 the average age is actually 24 so it's not 22 when you enter medical school or 21 so i realized that this was an option and that it really appealed to me for a lot of reasons and i thought i'm gonna run with this so
0: what did your parents say when you said i'm not gonna go to medical school like we talked about
1: Uh, my dad, I think freaked out because, well, no, we had two different conversations. When I was really burned out in undergrad, I remember this really long drive we took going home from Montreal to Boston for the summer. And I was so burned out. And I said, dad, I don't think I can do this. I don't know if I want this. And he gave me the best advice. He said, give it some time. He said, you're so tired. You're so exhausted from working so hard. Give it some time. You know this is what you want and you just need to just take a breather and you'll be fine. But the whole gap year thing, uh, I think my dad has had... So my dad and my mom never stopped. They went straight through school. They got their doctorates. They just... um, So they, they... I think they went straight into PhD training like, the, and then their doctorates from undergrad and they never took a break and actually I think the longest break my mom ever took was when she took off eight weeks to have my sister so taking a break was not something in their generation it was not something in their thought process and this whole gap thing was very bizarre to them and I that think that are for hippies <laughs> my parents were hippies they were hippies yeah no
0: no, no taking oh. a gap years for hippies
1: oh okay but that's funny because my parents were actually hippies for a while but anyway um, well they, were, they grew up and the you know this like Woodstock um so when I told my dad about this idea about wanting to take a gap year I think he he was like oh my god does that mean she's gonna like leave school and she's not gonna go back and you know it was like this gap could become like a permanent gap or something and I tried to convince him and he came around you know and my mom realized you know she just needs some time and she wants to do some other things and what I ended up doing my dad recognized was really great and and my sister went on and the a gap year, but she didn't go to med school. She went to psychology graduate school. But yeah, he he came around. He came around. <laughs> but it's it's very different. I mean, our generation and you know a few years ahead, a few years back, that's a brand new thing. If you think about compared to twenty years ago, that you didn't take a gap year. That's like taking a year off from your life. If you you know, and and obviously it's not. It's just a different way of doing things for a while. But I think for probably our parents and their parents, that's just that's a foreign concept.
0: Yeah. How did you how did you go about picking what you did during that gap year?
1: So I knew that I wanted a couple of different things. I'm a variety junkie, always have been. So I knew I didn't want to do one thing for the course of the year. And I had already worked in a lab all through college, uh, clinical in a cli- sorry, clinical research project um, at Brigham and Women's, working for a cardiologist on a project there. And so I, I didn't really want to be in any kind of research setting. I really wanted to be in a clinical setting. And I knew I needed that clinical experience that I really didn't feel like I'd had enough of. And um, I also had thought about what my mom does and uh, she just retired, but she was working at a biopharmaceutical company and I thought, well, gosh, that's such an interesting idea because they're working on drug development and trying to make patients' lives better and then there's all this, people have all this sort of stigma about them that they're the big bad drug company. So I thought, oh, gosh, it'd be really cool to see what it's like from the inside. Um, and so I looked for clinical opportunities and something unique.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So I think, I, I think there is a huge trend towards going for a gap year, having students take that gap year because as, as you said, it adds substance, adds bulk, as you, as you said, to the application. It, it, it allows you, and we talked about this a lot with non-traditional students, students that are away from school, that have some experience in the real world and not just being a student I think it allows them to grow as a person. It allows them to to figure out who they are a little bit better. Uh, but it, I think, in the end, it allows it allows students to be better physicians. Would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. I think it gives you life experience, and that's you know that's really priceless in a sense.
0: I think so too. So, gap years you can do so many different things with a gap year, but there are some things that you probably should avoid doing.
1: Yes. Ski bumming and uh, ski, sitting around. Ski bumming? Uh, ski bumming. That's a verb or adjective or ski whatever. Bumming. I just made it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I, so basically I think what I mean by that is you don't want to, there's nothing in skiing. Skiing is awesome. <laughs> you don't want to do something that's going to come across as completely just blowing off, you know, anything um, with a purpose. I mean, sitting around watching television all day. um, I I think you want something that's going to add to your application, that's going to add to yourself. And it doesn't mean doing something just to fluff your application. It means doing something to make yourself a better person, make yourself a better future physician.
0: Yeah. If, If you take a gap year because you're burnt out of school, and you go work at a water park, being one of those people that tells people when they can go down the water slide or not, that's, that's not going to look very good when you go for your, your interviews and so when they say, what did you do during your gap year? Right. Your, your gap year is meant to, yes, give you a little bit of a break from school, but also to continue in your service of others – or continue in strengthening your desire to become a physician, or your ability to do research or um, dig a little bit deeper into something that you think you may be passionate about in the future as a physician. That's what a gap years for. It's not meant to 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 go be a ski bum as you said <sighs> uh, a lot of people ask about travel during a gap year and, and traveling is perfectly fine too it might not be directly related to medicine but traveling gives you cultural experience mm-hmm. and and experience with different um, cultures different people different communities and so travel is is definitely a huge thing as well
1: yeah, and there are so many opportunities now to be part of a clinical endeavor um in a tra- you know in an international setting. There's so many things you can do.
0: Yeah. You and just it- don't
1: want to appear lazy and like you don't really care what's going on and, you know, like a ski bum. Yeah, or somebody who's eating bonbons all day. Yeah.
0: Or skiing and eating bonbons.
1: <laughs> that might be hard and make you sick. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So- what about you though? What about me?
1: Well, what did you do? You want to talk about that? You want to move? Oh, on? I
0: thought you'd never ask. No,
1: I, <laughs> I, I listen. I'm am I'm, I'm on the hot seat here. I, I better like be a good co-host, otherwise I'm gonna be kicked off. You know? I, I
0: don't. I don't know if I can add anything more. So uh, again, I I didn't take a gap year because I wanted to. I took a gap year because I was I was forced to. And during my gap years, I, I actually ended up taking three years off between undergrad and medical school. I shadowed a an orthopedic surgeon for a long time because I I found out that that was one of the biggest missing pieces from my application the first time I applied. I didn't have that that shadowing experience. So I did that for a while and then I went and coached baseball at a summer camp, which has nothing to do with medicine or but service that was of also others. During
1: a summer, right? Which it was is a little a bit different. I mean I was a camp counselor after college for yep. a summer too. You know? It was.
0: Uh, And then I started working at a gym as a personal trainer. And then as a, as a fitness manager, I managed all the personal trainers. And again, not really healthcare related. It was, it was a leadership position. So I think that helped strengthen my application.
1: Well, and in a certain sense, you were improving health one goldfish at a time. Goldfish. Yeah. Don't you know that whole thing? That whole thing, the guy's at the edge of the ocean and he's walking along and there are thousands of starfish, it's not goldfish, it's starfish, but anyway, he's walking along. This is why I come on the show because I I add this like a whole layer for you (laughs) and I make you laugh. (laughs) Okay, so he's walking along the beach and he sees all these starfish and one by one, (laughs) he's throwing the starfish back and some guy walks up to him and he says, what are you doing? You're never going to, you're never going to, like, why are you doing that? And he says, one starfish at a time. The whole idea is you're helping one person at a time. You're making a difference, and you were making a difference. You were training these people. You were you were bettering, bettering. You were improving their health. I think that I mean that's not clinical experience per se, but it actually is more related to healthcare than than certain other things you could have done.
0: Yeah, I was I was improving my application bigly.
1: Bigly, oh
0: gosh, <laughs> a little Donald Trump reference in there. Gotta love anyway. the Donald. All right, so, so yeah, that's, that's what I did during my gap year. It wasn't planned, it wasn't strategic, it just, it happened. But
1: the, I think that's a great learning point, too. You took advantage of a not-so-great experience, which was that you didn't get in the first time, and you made something great from it. You, you figured out what you, what you were called to do at that time, what you really wanted to do, and you turned it into something really great. And you deferred three years, which, thank, thank you for doing that, because we might not have met if you hadn't. Darn.
0: Anyway. <laughs> really, this is what I'm dealing with. Okay, so I think that's it's with gap years. Gap years
1: are good. Just use use it wisely. Yes. Plan it. Use it yes. wisely.
0: All right. So another question came in from Samuel Franklin. Actually, six questions came in from him. Cool. But the thir- second one was kind of interesting, especially with some recent news that that you found. So we can talk about that. The question is how do you maximize the use of the healthcare team players meaning the nurses PAs NPs pharmacists respiratory therapists so the the rest of the the staff members your colleagues the ancillary staff what's how do you how do you maximize that experience
1: and in general or at during medical school in general let's
0: let's talk about in general and then maybe we can talk about medical school
1: okay so I think we've talked about the whole concept of team in healthcare quite a bit on a, on the show, and which is why we talk
0: about collaboration not competition, yeah. right? You it, start that early,
1: absolutely. So your healthcare team is everything. I think that gone are the days of being in a small private practice with one doctor and no staff and. You know, I mean, they actually still do house, house calls in some parts of the United States, but those are few and far between. If you look around, the great majority of physicians are practicing in a team environment, whether that's in a hospital, whether that's in a clinic and your team is invaluable. I have worked with lots of different teams and the different. I've worked in a lot of different hospitals throughout my training and then um, started my career. and uh, I've worked um, in office settings and hospital settings and private practice and government settings and HMOs. And I can tell you that everywhere I've gone, the strength of your ability to practice well, a huge function of that is is how well your team works together. And so, as a physician, you are the leader of that team. And if you have other colleagues who are physicians working with you, you are all the leaders. And your—I've never ever thought of myself as, you know, the head honcho, the most important one. It's just not how I function. I—I I really try to, uh, to. Isn't that
0: why you became a physician, though?
1: No, and I think, and we've talked about this too. Okay, I—I didn't—I didn't become a physician to be some. Big head honcho, some some big big shot. I became a physician to take care of patients and to make the you know improve the health of my community. But I think there are people out there who who view a physician as oh you know you're the leader, you're the boss, you know you tell everybody else what to do, and it's just so not the case. I think if you go in with that attitude, you're going to be really disappointed um, because. The, again, the success of the healthcare you provide really relies on a team effort involving you as a physician, your nurses working with you, your LPNs or medical assistants working with you, your pharmacists working with you. It's a it's a it's a um, collaborative environment where each person's role is so important. I I can't even tell you all the ways in which the staff whom I work with on a daily basis improve the healthcare of my patients, make my life easier every day. It's it's, you know, every moment of the day, um, my LP and and also, you know, I just I have so much fun with the people I work with. I love the people I work with. So the idea to me of being off in some place, you know, is um, the physician sort of all by themselves. I mean, it it would be sad. I would be I would be miserable, I think. So I I guess my punchline, what I'm getting at is you want to learn how to be a team player. Um, as early as you can be and learn your role and how your role works with the roles of those others, those other people on your team and how you can best function and how you can best lead them and serve you know their needs and in return get what you need from them. Um, by communication, by by honesty, by by working together, by having a positive attitude, um, it will make or break your experience as a physician.
0: I, I don't think I heard, a specific word that I was looking for. But respect I think is a huge thing. Oh absolutely. As, as a if, physician, I, if I didn't convey
1: that, absolutely.
0: I as a physician, I I think you get some some physicians, as soon as they get that M D or D O after their name, get this air about them that they are they are the physician. And they don't respect the nurses they don't respect the PAs the NPs because they're the physician.
1: Yeah, they're going to find out real quick that that's not going to work once yeah. they become interns. But Do you have yeah.
0: <laughs> do you have any good stories with with oh, sure. teams going south?
1: Yeah, well, I thought you meant just about I mean
0: or or physicians that are arrogant and
1: So the nurses know right away who the interns are, who come in and who act a certain way. I mean, I I remember sure from my residency there there were um particular interns who acted very righteous or very self-serving or very know-it-all. And I remember um, one intern trying to sort of tell a team of, you know, neuro ICU nurses who'd been doing their job for over 20 years and sort of, you know, try to explain to them how something worked, you know, anatomically or, and I mean, it was just silly. And and it was so insulting the way he was talking to them and uh, they, nurses, you know, even, why should anybody stand for that? You know, I mean, who are you to come in with no experience essentially? I mean, four years of medical school, but no clinical experience with patients and try to run the show and tell people what's what it's, that's not your role. Your role is to learn. And so having respect for people who've been in their role for 25, 30 years, even if they don't have an MD or a DO, but they, they're an RN or they are a PA or a an NP or a farm D and they have a lot more experience than you. You have to respect that from the minute you walk in the door. Because if you don't, you will be blacklisted. <laughs> People will not like working with you. And it'll make your life miserable. It's the the thing you want to do is make friends right away and respect. Learn your place and respect. Earn your dues. And if you work hard and you're a team player, when you get to that other side and you are the chief resident and you're running the show, you will you will have earned your place. You will have earned that respect and you will love your job because people will and also they'll get you what you need you know you're running a code and or you're you're crashing someone to the or and you need that support that support's going to be there for you but if you make you know a muckery of it at the beginning it's you know it's just not going to be easy and I I did see that happen and it's unfortunate and you know I think you can come back from I mean we all make mistakes but you know you want to you want to just uh just start on a good foot
0: I I think we've both had experiences on the flip side before we have that degree as medical students, and and kind of being the brunt of the attitude from the staff.
1: Oh yeah, you remember with, me crying in your car that day <laughs>
0: with nurses and and other staff members and physicians as well mm-hmm. that that you're just the medical student and they don't respect you and and they they put you in your place and. I, mine was, uh, the one that comes to mind for me was, wasn't a big deal, but I, I happened to be pretty good with, with uh, finding veins, right? And, and drawing blood. And I was working in OB, my OB rotation, and there was a, a female there that was pregnant and the nurses couldn't get a, a stick on her. They couldn't start an IV on her. And so I walk over there and my my short white coat. <laughs> and I start poking on the lady, like tapping her arm, trying to figure out where the veins are. And, and I'm getting dirty looks from the nurses. And, and, I, and, and I said, I, I won't try. I won't. I'm just feeling around, just kind of exploring and, and trying to learn. And I felt an amazing vein. It wasn't, it wasn't a very superficial vein. You couldn't see it very well, but it was there. And I said, this is a vein. You, you go for it. I don't want to do it. And the nurses went for it and they got it. But they kind of scoffed at me like, who are you, stupid medical student? Because I'm sure that there were medical students before me that thought they were all that and weren't and set a bad reputation for us medical students. But you, you had one specifically, too.
1: Mm hmm. I was the third year and on my internal medicine rotation and oh gosh, I had this patient who was talking to me and complaining about how awful she thought her nurse was. And I actually thought this nurse was pretty good and nice woman and, but she just was complaining, complaining, and just I think she wanted her to give her more medication or something. And she said, "Please, you know, you've got to help me find another nurse." And and I made this comment at the time, which I thought was pretty innocuous, and I was just trying to basically pacify the situation, and help the patient, you know, reassure her, and try to figure out something to say to make her feel better. When in, the, in reality, I, I can't get her a new nurse, right? Um, the nurses are assigned a, a couple of, or a set of different patients during the day. And I, so I made this comment to her and I said, well, maybe on the next shift, you'll have a different nurse. And lo and behold, a second later, the curtain, cause there, this was an old school room. And so there was a curtain in between the two patients, like absolutely no privacy. The curtain was flung open and who was right behind it, but the patient's nurse. And Wow so she went off on me I mean my god she she started to in front of the patient and then I sort of walked out because it was I was so embarrassed already And um, she took me into I, I shouldn't have followed her but she took me into basically the medication room and she just lit into me and I was I was horrified I was mortified I was oh I was just I felt horrible I hear I was I was trying to do a good thing I, I actually respected this nurse and I just made this comment and I remember I was, I was so angry. It was the end of the day and I got in the car. Ryan picked me up and I just bawled my eyes out. But, you know, part, I mean, that was good. I look back on that now as a moment that made me stronger because I, I actually decided after that moment that I wasn't going to take any lip from anybody. And I, <laughs> yes, you will have attendings and people who are su- your superiors who will talk down to you sometimes and who will say things to you that maybe you don't always appreciate. But I decided that I was not going to stand there and let somebody scream at me um, in, a, in a professional setting ever again. And so I've had other incidents, you know, through my training and, and my in and my career where, where someone has uh, started to try to talk to me that way. And I've just, you know, said very calmly, please don't speak to me that way. This is not appropriate. And, and honestly, no, I really learned a lot about how, uh, you know, how to, how to sort of get my own back, how to Take care of myself because no one should ever, ever um, have to be, you know, <laughs> I don't know, screamed out like that. It's just, it's not professional, period. I don't care who you are. It's not professional. Okay. Anyway, it was, it was a moment. You know, you'll have a lot of those moments in training with that thicken your skin that make you stronger. And so it wasn't such a bad thing. But um, I think the culture of medicine, it, the long, you know, tradition of medicine, there's this pimping and there's this, uh, Pimping meaning when attendings ask you questions that you may not know the answers to. And there's this sort of hierarchical training that we may never quite get away from. And maybe that's not such a bad thing, but you may have not great moments. And again, it's just trying to rise above it. Not ever lose your cool and become unprofessional yourself, because that can haunt you. Um, I know stories of of uh, residents who tried to go after attendings, and they were blacklisted at the hospital. You, you know, you gotta, well, even
0: even in the news recently with that neurology oh, that was resident sad. in Miami. That was, that
1: was really sad. Yeah, for those of you who don't know the story, this resident I guess got really drunk and got into this fight with an Uber driver, and it was unfortunately all over YouTube, and she she lost her job. And so, yeah. I mean, you you can never you never want to act in a way where if you who are caught on camera. And these days, I mean, gosh, yeah. you can't Anywhere. get away with anything. In the
0: hospital, out of the hospital. we're on
1: live TV right now. Uh, yeah, so you always want to try to uh, be a good person, rise above, keep your head held high, but earn your dues and show respect.
0: Yeah, awesome. So I think there were a lot more questions. I don't think they were very good. Uh, they were great questions, but not great to answer here. But a couple people have asked some questions that we can follow up with on this show, which is awesome. So again, we're live in the Hangout doing this, our first time live in the Hangout. Hello, everybody. If you aren't in the Hangout, go to medical, nice dancing, yes. go to medicalschoolhq.net <laughs> slash group, and you can watch the video of Allison dancing right there. But what, uh, what you can do is when we're recording these live, you can ask questions. And so we had a couple questions here. Let me refresh.
1: Yeah, it's cool to see people hanging out with us. Thanks, guys.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, Ahmed said um, unusual question what type of career would you guys do if not in healthcare or doctors or if you weren't a doctor or not in healthcare this is like a medical school interview question
1: okay well I can answer that really easily but does it require that you have the talent to do such job I guess (laughs) yes (laughs) and it does it's not in healthcare right not in healthcare yeah I would be on Broadway yeah that was easy
0: again (laughs) like as the concessions person (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, so you know what? (laughs) That's really nice. No, I actually, I danced all my childhood and I wanted to be a professional dancer and I love how you laugh. You know, it's like if I laughed at you playing baseball. It's just awesome. <laughs> wow. Anyway, I love to dance. It was my thing. I did ballet and jazz and modern and I loved it. And I I did, I was that kid who was like singing and did theater and dance. I didn't, I had no idea when it came to sports. I, my parents wouldn't let me either because they thought that it would like interfere with my studies.
0: Or um, cause a brain damage. Yeah, called, called right. brain damage, very true brain that damage.
1: I yeah, <laughs> that I would get like conked on the head and suffer brain damage. Yeah. So okay. which I probably would have because I couldn't catch anything. <laughs> but I was the manager of my uh, boys lacrosse team in uh, high school, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, um, yeah, I I love to dance. And I actually wrote my my personal statement, um, I think, for college or was it even med school? I, there was some at some point I realized that I really needed a lot of intel- intellectual stimulation. I didn't. I didn't think that I was going to get what I wanted. Kind of, um, you know, being a dancer. And I mean, the reality is, do I think that I have the talent? I'm not delusional. No. I mean, I think. I think I can sing. I think I can dance. But you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But but right. yeah, anyway. So but it, yeah yeah. Good. I still, you know, like I sing in the car and just fantasize yeah. some days.
0: <laughs> I think. I think I would be in uh, computer programming.
1: See, but that's not like a fun answer. Like you wouldn't be like a baseball player or something?
0: No, because I don't have the skills to be a professional baseball (gasps) player. Okay,
1: fine. Well, now I have to answer the question for real. (laughs) Okay, so what would I do? Um... Gosh, that's really hard. Because, see, okay, here's the deal. So, Ryan is very multi-talented if you haven't really if you haven't met him and gotten to know him in person. So, like he builds computers, he builds software, he's a photographer, he <laughs> has this business. I mean, he's a coach. He does a lot of different things. He's talented in a lot of different ways. And I, I don't know. I when I look around, like I
0: You're an amazing neurologist. That's
1: very awesome of you. But so I I guess I I'm a little I'm a little, like, stuck. I don't, I don't know. Do you know what I would do?
0: No, that just means that you're meant for this.
1: Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I really like this question. I, it's given me some things to think about because <laughs> clearly I don't know the answer.
0: Hey, uh, Ahmed also asked if doing your undergrad at McGill was a disadvantage for your applications to med school. Mm.
1: Yes and no. Yes, because my GPA was probably lower than it would have been because it was insanely hard and such a rigorous science curriculum and the way the grades were uh weighted at McGill, it was really, really hard to to do well. I mean, it was hard to get an A. Um, so and actually I learned later on that a lot of the United States citizens who were applying to who were in school for undergrad in Canada, who then applied to medical school in the United States, their GPAs were lower on average than a lot of people. And again, McGill's the Harvard of Canada. It's a great school. It's not, you know, but the, the GPAs were lower. And so um, that probably, you know, my application wasn't quite as strong as it could have been. Mm. I had a good GPA, but it could have been better. And uh, also because the advising, but the reality of that is that there's bad advising everywhere. But yep. I went to a place where a lot of the advising was focused on Canadian students, rightfully so, because most, most of their students were Canadian. Only 15% of the class was from the United States, and only a small percentage of those folks were going for pre-med. So yeah, I think um, probably probably it did, but it also really, I wouldn't change anything. I think it was great and added a different, You know, I, it made me more unique. Okay. What about you? Oh, you didn't go to Miguel. I,
0: I didn't go to Miguel, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Good, good job. Yeah. Uh, Crystal asked, how do you balance work-life aspect during these years? I'm assuming medical school years or even residency. residency. Uh, how do you stay grounded with everything that was happening?
1: Okay, is that for me or why don't you go first? No,
0: I, I, I don't, I, I think at that point, in your training there there is no work life balance. I think it's all one big melting pot of fun
1: <laughs> true, but you do talk about the importance of exercise and eating correct. well and
0: correct but i I think that that lends itself towards kind of again it's it's just all one big pot, and you need to just do whatever you need to do to stay sane and exercise and and eating well as part of that um I I I think obviously we went through it without kids. I think if we had children during that time, I think the answer would be different because yeah. then you you're forced to set aside family time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think as we went through it, well,
1: your children are your priority, right? Correct, your family. Yeah.
0: But as as we went through it, we didn't have that, and so we were able to and. and both of us going through it, we were able to support each other. We knew what each other were going through. But if, if one person is a physician and one person isn't, it's harder to have that dynamic. So maybe, again, you have to set aside some time. But I think it was easier with kind of a, a dual physician household
1: yeah, and I think for us, and that's, I think, a really personal decision. I mean, a friend of mine from college who went to med school, she's an ER doc now. She wanted nothing to do with, you know, someone who was going to be a physician in, as her partner. She wanted um, a guy who was going to be doing something completely different so that when they got home at the end of the day, they were not going to be talking about medicine. And there are probably some benefits to that, too, because maybe if you're a doctor, then your non doctor, husband or wife or a partner, can be sort of doing picking up things or doing things when you're not able to like when you're on call overnight or on the weekend but for us yes I mean having you understand every minute what I was going through was huge for us that was huge so I think and you know there's that expression uh, eat when you can sleep when you can and don't beep with the pancreas
0: don't F with the pancreas yeah
1: okay oh that's PC okay FCC allowed Um, so, uh, (laughs) um, yes, that's very true there. It's so true. There's this whole, you do everything you have to, you do, you eat when you can, you sleep when you can. And yeah, I mean the pancreas, if you're a neurologist, that doesn't really factor in very much, but if you're a surgeon, it matters, but yes, you think you're in survival mode is really what it is. You know, you're, you, uh, and if you have kids, yeah, I mean, whole different considerations. I mean, Um, I knew that I wasn't ready to have kids until we finished training because of that. I saw people go through it and it was amazing to watch, but I just, I needed to focus on taking care of myself because that was challenging enough, you know, at the time, but you can do it. You know, it's like, it's like my sister asks me, how do you learn to do, to live on such little sleep? How do you do that? How do you do that sleep deprivation stuff? And I said, you don't sit up one day or stand up and say, okay, today body, we're going to Learn how to, no, you just do it. You just go and you do it and you, your body will adapt and you, your mind will adapt and you will just figure it out.
0: That you will. Awesome. What else you got? I think that's it. We have some other questions, but I think we're at a good time to end it here. Uh, We can answer more questions maybe after the recording or just in comments, but uh, I loved this. Did you like this? Yeah, it was fun. I,
1: I, am I coming back, though? I don't know. You gave me all that pressure at the beginning.
0: So if you're listening to this, medicalschoolhq.net slash 181, or just go to the Facebook group, the Hangout, medicalschoolhq.net slash group, and and comment, and let us know if Allison should come back.
1: <gasps> that is terrible! <laughs> I think what he meant to say was, let us know if you like the show. That's really... No,
0: weird. I meant let us know if Allison should come back. We'll leave it up to
1: to you guys alright well thanks everyone it was nice knowing you. <laughs> no,
0: based kidding. on all of the comments that come in I, th- I think <laughs> they'll want you back
1: I love being on the show I love talking with you and I love talking with everyone and um, imparting any help and anything I can to make anybody out there's life a little easier and their journey a little little easier
0: so I want to talk about the sponsor for today's show Elite Medical Scribes have you ever worked with a scribe?
1: no uh, I've seen their work. I mean, when I'm, you know, if I'm writing, or not writing, if I'm reading notes that came from the ED, the emergency room, and I'll see uh, scribed by such and such. Really? Yeah, I do.
0: That's interesting. And I've seen
1: that also with primary care physicians sometimes, scribing on behalf of, yeah. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Are you jealous when you read that? Like, I wish somebody else would... Do no, my No, because I'm for so me?
1: like anal about stuff like that. Like I need to, you know, I need to document the way I want. I mean, look, you were laughing at me because I was editing my transcriptions for commas. I mean, I can be insane sometimes. So I've stopped doing that. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I don't think so. But I think for ER docs and for primary care docs, that's huge. I mean, that's such a helpful thing.
0: As you were going through your pre-med years... I think I would have loved to be a scribe. Oh
1: my God, I would have loved it. I was looking for I was like a sponge. I wanted any clinical experience where I could be with patients yeah. and learn and oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And we had a guest on the show back, I think it was 171 with Christine, who was the former admissions the dean of admissions at UC Irvine, who said lack of clinical experience is the big one of the her the her biggest reason for students not getting an acceptance. And she specifically said, being a scribe is one of the best ways to get that clinical experience. So if you're looking for something to do to get that clinical experience, check out Elite Medical Scribes. Go to medicalschoolhq.net slash EMS. Again, that's Elite Medical Scribes uh, at medicalschoolhq.net slash EMS. And that'll take you to a list of all of their careers that they have available that you can apply to. And it's an amazing experience. You, you're working. We, we talked about teams earlier. You're part of that healthcare team as a scribe. You're in the room. You're, you're interacting with the physician, with whoever else is there, making sure that the patient's charts are complete and, and done properly. So, again, Elite Medical Scribes, uh, thank you for sponsoring the show. Yes, thank you. Go check them out, medicalschoolhq.net slash any last minute parting words of wisdom?
1: Mm. Keep your head high, keep going, struggle through, you can do keep it. Keep your chin up. Seriously. All right. There are some cliches that are like kind of <laughs> annoying and just cliche, but then there are some that are actually, you know, just uh, hang in there. We it have- will It will get better. You know, one of my favorite things that I talk to, I, I really do, I tell myself all the time when, when I'm having a hard day or when I'm having a hard you know, time or whatever, is this too shall pass. So mm-hmm. whatever you're going through right now, if it's studying for the MCAT, if it's working on your, well, you wouldn't be working on your application now, right? Oh no, you might, yeah, no. totally. Oh yeah, Oh, I'm like forgetting it's what time it is. It's application when season. It is. I know, it's like May already, ridiculous. Yes, if you're working on your application, if you are uh, trying to figure out if you should take a gap year, or you're working on graduating college, or you're a non-trad and you're thinking about changing careers, and it feels hard and like you're not going to get out of it, just remind yourself that if you keep pushing, you keep striving, you keep working hard, whatever the hard stuff it is that you're going through, this too shall pass. Hug a bear. Yeah, that's your way of saying it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I learned the that. That's military. That, I, I learned that from my, my first military experience. I don't think it's a military thing. It's just one of the people that I was there with had a saying that, any anybody can hug a bear for five seconds. and
1: I don't know if the dude in the reverend could. <laughs> that didn't end so well for
0: him. <laughs> but you, you hug a bear for five seconds, and then you hug it for five more seconds, and you hug it for five more, and, and you just, you get through it. This too shall pass, like you said. Yes. So I do want to take a minute and thank a couple people that left us ratings and reviews. If you haven't done so, we are, I think, two... Re- Two five-star ratings short of 400 five-star oh, ratings. That is
1: so awesome. Which is phenomenal. Yeah, that's incredible.
0: Uh, but we have Didi Schmidt, or Mama Didi Schmidt, that's Danielle, thank you, Danielle, who says, wind beneath my wings. That's awesome. This has been the greatest gift to have discovered as a crazy, non-traditional mom. There you go, there's an Imam.
1: That's awesome.
0: Uh, thank you, Danielle, Thanks, Danielle, for that. We have a Spiro, who says, an excellent pre-med resource. Thank you, Spiro, for that. Some great reviews, really long ones, so I'm not reading them. Uh, M. Clavijo, 92 I'm sorry, I butchered that, probably. It says, great podcast, an amazing podcast that has answered so many inquiries that I have had throughout my pre-medicine years. That's what we are here for. Again, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes if you haven't left us a rating and review. I want to thank everybody for taking the time out of their busy schedule to listen to us and for everybody watching us live right now on Facebook Live. Thank you. And we're waving. And as always, I hope you join us next week here at the Medical School Headquarters and the Pre-Med Years Podcast.